Hello and welcome to Clean Beauty Asia's podcast. I'm your host, Ali Rook. This interview series is a collection of conversations with people who operate, support, and facilitate beauty brands doing business in Asia. My aim is to provide valuable insights and information to make your beauty brand's transition into Asia as smooth and successful as possible. This first series is dedicated to cross-border e-commerce in China, and I really hope you find it valuable. Thank you so much for listening. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of my interview series. Today, I've got Olivia Plotnik from Y Social. Olivia is based in Shanghai and fairly recently started up her own business, um, Y Social. It's a social media agency focused on WeChat, helping brands with run and execute um, and strategize on their on their WeChat and other social media platforms in China. So Olivia, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I've been watching these episodes, so I'm excited to finally get to chat with you. Thank you. So I think today we the focus is really on smaller brands coming into China, looking to maximize their investment and their impact on social platforms in China. So I think probably the first thing I wanted to talk about is why social and why did you start, set it up and what gap were you plugging? Yeah, why why social, I right? <laughs> I teed that one up perfectly. Um, no, so I started my career here in Shanghai. So I've been working for marketing agencies and really, I mean, you know, what a place to to start out um, in marketing and communications. I think it's probably the most fast moving, exciting marketplaces in the world. And I really just became fascinated with, you know, how people are using social media, the ecosystems here, and really, um, you know, just watching the involvement of social and e-commerce, you know, and retail in this space. So, after working for for some big agencies, um, I just, you know, for a number of reasons, wanted to to try it out on my own. Um, I had, you know, been working with a lot of communities um, in my spare time, helping them with their social media, and so I built up uh, quite a brand around that. So in June of 2019, I started my own company, um, and since then, we've helped about. 20 um, brands with their social media marketing in China. So, you know, of course, a lot of people come into us for WeChat, um, but we also help them, you know, with Xiaohongshu, um, Weibo, and actually, you know, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn as well. Um, so we can get into that a bit later, but um, yeah, it's been very, very exciting. It's, you know, a great time. I think China has a huge amount of opportunity, um, especially for, you know, a lot of these smaller brands that we work with. It's been really exciting just in the past two to three years to see how the market is really evolving. You know, Chinese consumers are incredibly well informed, they're incredibly digitally savvy, um, and they're really starting to look for these brands with you know, amazing stories, um, you know, brands who really are very purpose driven. So that's a lot of the clients that we work with is these very purpose driven brands. So, you know, in the space of sustainability or plant based um, products or, you know, social impact. Um, so it's been, you know, really, really exciting to work with these brands and to watch them grow and to watch the market grow as well. Great. It's a great space 
to be in, both from the dynam dynamism of the market, but also, as you said, like being able to work with these sort of exciting, um, exciting new brands. Um, so for, for these smaller brands coming into the market, obviously, as you like rattle off there, there are so many channels um, and it can be quite overwhelming. Also from a budget perspective, you know, it can be quite expensive to be on different channels. What would be your advice? Should they go try and go on all the main ones or should they focus? What's sort of the general strategy that you have? So, you know, I think right from the get-go, it's going to be important to kind of put into your mind that China is going to be more expensive and take longer than you expected. Um, you know, I think a lot of brands see China as a huge opportunity, but um, fail to kind of see that, okay, you're going to have to put in a lot of investment and a lot of work. Um, and, you know, there's, as you mentioned, a lot of social media platforms, so it can get overwhelming really, really quickly. Um, if you are, you know, a smaller beauty brand, I think first you have to look at, okay, who are you going to target? Like, where is your audience? Because China is so incredibly different. Um, and I know people on here have talked about this before, but, you know, just to reiterate, because it is super crucial when you're deciding what platforms to be on, are your consumers in first tier cities or second tier cities? You know, they're, even those are quite um, similar in size, but different in makeup and different in what platforms they're actually using. So once you get down to the nitty gritty of that, you can kind of narrow down um, which channel you're going to be on. Because of course, the more channels you're on, the more resources that's going to use up and the more budget. So, you know, a lot of the brands that we work with have quite a limited budget. So we're trying to put them on the most impactful channels. Now, when it comes to actually, okay, what should those channels be? What does that look like? Um, you may have heard of TikTok or Douyin, as we call it in China. And that's a lot, that's a platform that a lot of brands come to us and they're like, okay, it's super hot right now. It's really popular. Like we got to get on this channel. Um, and that's where we really come in and say, okay, you know, let's take a step back and let, let's look at this. Um, and let's look at where your consumers are because Douyin, um, you know, could be really great for a brand who's looking to target people, you know, more in a second or third tier city, but maybe not so much um, in a first tier city. So the behaviors and the channels are, are just going to be um, totally different. Now, the channels that let's let's talk about, let's focus on one area and say that, you know, you are coming in and you're focusing on on uh, consumers in a first tier city, um, you know, WeChat while it's getting harder and harder and it is not going to be the platform to grow on, you still need to have an official account um, because it's going to be one of the best platforms to really nurture that audience that you pull in from other areas. Um, channels like Xiaohongshu, which is a little bit like, you know, Yelp and Instagram um, and Amazon reviews. That's a really great channel actually to be able to work with influencers on. So, you know, I'm, I'm sure you've heard and talked about KOLs on here, which um, are key opinion leaders. We also talk about key opinion customers, um, which is a lot of what we focus on for the, the small brands that we work with. Usually they have a smaller, more engaged audience. Um, and what they can do is really help you amplify your brand. Um, because, you know, as with any social media platform, even in the West, you know that 
putting out content is a very slow way to grow. But in the West, you have Instagram and Facebook, which relatively cheap still for paid uh, for a paid post. Like you can boost a post on Instagram for $5 and you can still get pretty good results. In China, that's just not the case with any platform. It's very, very expensive and the targeting is not very good. So you really kind of, uh, you have no other option. Basically, you need to be working with these KOC. Um, so you can send out, you know, your products, um, basically do product seeding with a lot of KOC. And especially, you know, for like a, a very niche or like, you know, a small indie brand, um, these influencers, they're looking for interesting content to make. So it, it's actually um, can be quite beneficial to them as well. If you, you know, send them a, a PR package, um, they want to be talking about interesting products. They want to be the first ones who are uncovering a new brand. So if, if you, um, you know, angle it in that way, I think you're going to have a, an easier time engaging with them. So, you know, that's really kind of for awareness. Um, you know, and the really amazing thing about Chinese consumers is that they do so much research uh, about brands before they make a purchase. So, um, you know, each channel has a different purpose. So let's say, you know, you've worked with a, an influencer on Xiaohongshu. If a user, you know, sees your brand, they're going to search for it on a bunch of other different platforms. So let's say they go into WeChat and search for your, your brand um, and start to follow your official account. Then that's where you start to, you know, nurture that relationship. Um, you should have a WeChat mini program on there where they could be able to buy your products. Um, another really important thing, which I think a lot of brands kind of forget, um, you know, if, if you're on Taobao or Tmall, that is also kind of almost like a social media channel, even though it's your e-commerce, you still need to be, you know, checking people's comments on there, responding quickly, because consumers are going to go to those different touch points um, and look before they make a purchase. So, you know, the, we've talked about Xiaohongshu, we've talked about WeChat. Um, I also want to mention actually YouTube and Instagram, which yes, they are blocked in China. Um, but if we're talking, for example, about consumers in a first tier city, a lot of them, you know, many of them, if, if they're post 90s consumers, they probably studied abroad, they're extremely international, they're probably going to have an Instagram account, or they're probably going to use YouTube. And there are a lot of Chinese content creators, you know, either within China or outside of China, who are creating content in Chinese um, about brands. So it's really worth looking into these influencers and engaging with them, you know, on YouTube and on Instagram. Um, and the, the thing about people on YouTube creating content, that content is getting copied onto Billy Billy, which is like a video platform in China. So, um, you know, start out uh, with the influencer on YouTube, and then it's going to get repopulated to content elsewhere. So I think those are kind of the main um, platforms, of course, you know, like you mentioned, there are so many others. Um, but if you're just coming in, and you're looking to, you know, maximize your budget, um, that is, that's what I would suggest at first, or kind of an overview of it, I guess. Yeah, no, that makes, that makes complete sense. And I think that 
although it's not, um, you know, I guess brands might want a silver bullet and say, okay, we just need to use one platform. Unfortunately, it's not as simple as that based on what yeah. you said. And of course, all the, you know, the touch points, as you said, they do a lot of research. They need to have multiple touch points to have that trust, um, to have the social proof to, to buy products. So I think that's why, yeah, you absolutely do have to do those, those key channels. So I guess that leads me to my next question. How do you optimize content across different channels? Because it is definitely not as simple as posting the same um, content on, you know, reposting that all the formats are completely different. You know, there's a lot of things that would mean that doesn't work, but how do you help brands to sort of streamline that process? Yeah, it is. It's definitely, again, not like Facebook and Instagram where you can even in the same like schedule or just, you know, click each box and it has a post to each, <laughs> which would be so great. Um, but no, I think, you know, and especially because we do work with smaller brands. So ideally you're creating um, specialized content for each platform. It might be similar, but, um, you know, you're creating different different types of assets. But um, if your budget is limited, you know, you, you're not going to have the freedom to do that, quite frankly. So what we try and help our brands do, you know, the, the main, the bulk of the content is going to go into a WeChat post. Um, you know, you're going to need photos, you're going to need great copy for that. Um, so that's kind of, you know, where the bulk of your assets are going to be created for. And then a lot of times we help them kind of adapt that, um, you know, for something like Xiaohong Shu. So we kind of help them follow, you know, a similar um, schedule for those two platforms. Um, and then, you know, follow a similar schedule if, if they're using Instagram, um, you know, kind of a similar schedule with Xiaohong Shu like that. So it's definitely not ideal. Um, you know, it, if I was, you know, talking to a massive brand, you know, we'd be talking about developing different types of video. And, um, but the reality is like, you have to be very fickle with what you have. Um, so kind of starting from WeChat, because that's going to be the bulk of it. And then saying, okay, what can I reuse from this post on other channels? Yeah, no, and that, I think that makes complete sense. It's pragmatic, but also with a hint of realism about the market and the demands of the consumer. Yeah, their demands. It's, and it is what it is. Like, <laughs> yeah, because the big brands do invest so much and have such sophisticated marketing. Right, and it's so expensive to. I mean, photography. You know that everything adds up so quickly and, and, you know, I'm very aware of that. And I think, um, you know, a lot of the brands are very aware of it too. So you have to, you know, and that's where a lot of the planning and strategy comes in is that you have to be very, very careful um, about when you're planning out what type of posts that you are doing, because you need to be thinking, okay, um, if I'm going to do one photo shoot, how can I make that last throughout different channels? Um, and last as long as it can, if, if you know, if your resources are limited. So that's really where the strategy and the planning comes in instead of just thinking like, oh, we're going to push out a post about our new products or we're, you know, once we have this announcement, we're going to push it out. You're going to end up just, you know, like digging yourself into a, a hole or just doing so much work, more work 
than you really needed to if you didn't you know, plan it out ahead of time to how you're gonna get all that content. Okay, so then the next thing that I wanted to talk about is um, WeChat private groups, because I think that international brands coming in, especially smaller ones, you know, I talk to brands quite a lot about this. They've heard about the success of Perfect Diary of Little Ondine or all these, you know, local brands that are really using um, WeChat private groups to uh, engage with the consumer, to create a community on a small scale. But it's also it seems intangible because it's so much, you know, it sounds like so much work across, you know, splitting yeah. consumers up being very bespoke. So I know you, you said to me that you do that with, with your, some of your brands. So just be interested to hear how that could work for like an international beauty brand coming in and, and what advice. Yeah. So I think the beauty of these WeChat groups really comes in is because um, you know, WeChat is not a great like CRM tool. You can't really pull the information from your followers out and get their email and then follow up with email newsletters. Like it's just not a great um, ecosystem for that. So where a lot of brands have found success is using um, these private traffic uh, WeChat groups. And how we kind of start this out with our clients is thinking about it as another channel, which people are like, oh, great, another another channel, another thing I have to create content for. Um, but you know, you're you're really a build, building a community in this channel, so you're kind of repurposing what you're doing with your WeChat official account. Um, and why these are so important is because it's getting harder and harder to actually get somebody to follow an official account. So the average WeChat user. Um, you know, data from 2000, I think 19 suggested that they're only following about 20 official accounts, which is crazy when you think about it. there's over two mil 20 million official accounts. So you can assume that, you know, people really aren't following many brands on WeChat. Um, but what we find is actually with these private traffic groups, we will have people in there who are super engaged. They will read the posts that are shared. They will purchase the product, but they're not following the official account. So these groups are um, you know, really important to actually keep your users engaged and keep pulling people in. And you know, on the groups, they have a very specific purpose. So it's important, you know, it does take a bit of community managing, um, but this is something, you know, that's great for like an intern to do. Um, and you just kind of schedule out content that you're gonna post in there. So what we've done actually for one of the beauty brands that we work, it, uh, work with is, you know, each week, um, you know, maybe two or three times a week, we'll share an image of, you know, some tips about, you know, how to use the mask or tips about, what type of ingredient is good for what. Um, and we always include, you know, the mini program QR code on that image for people to scan in and go to the mini program to check out the products. Um, so it's another kind of subtle way to get people, um, you know, into your uh, funnel and convert them. It doesn't have to be, you know, I think people hear like a chat group and they think, oh my God, we have to be always on. You know, it, in general, people aren't really expecting for you to always be talking to them. It's too much. Like people, WeChat users just receive way too many messages every day. It's more of something, you know, that you're active in. Maybe 
you know, a couple times per week, um, you know, maybe like three to five times per week, you're engaging in there. Um, and we really, you know, especially with the, the beauty brand who we've done this with, they have built out such an engaged community. You know, they don't have 20,000 WeChat followers, but they have such an engaged core of customers that, you know, when they do a special promotion uh, or when they do an event, there is such affinity towards the brand. Like everybody is converting within a matter of minutes. Um, so it's really a way to, to create this really strong personal relationship with people because on, you know, on WeChat or these other channels, it's just a lot more difficult to, to do that from a business account. Um, so going through it kind of from the, the this personal ways is going to be, you know, I think really impactful. Um, and as you know, as it gets harder and harder for brands on official accounts to get your content read, you know, these groups are a great place to share your content in um, to get people to pull in other like-minded users. So it's of course it's another channel. It's more work, of course. Um, but I do think that it's really vital in building up uh, a very healthy and very strong community. You know, I always tell our clients, like, I would much rather have you, you know, receive 500 followers who are super engaged, they love the brand, than 5,000 followers who never engage, they don't open anything, they're not interacting, um, because that doesn't mean anything for your business in the long run. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, being able to have that two-way, really have that two-way communication through a WeChat um, private group is, is yeah. crucial. And I think obviously the big brands, they tend to have multiple, right? Like they have different, different, different. Yeah. <laughs> thousands, thousands. I think Perfect Diary must have literally thousands of WeChat groups. Thank you so much, Olivia. It was so great to hear about why social, hear about um, a lot of tips that smaller brands can really um, take away and think about when it comes to a social media strategy. I think the overall takeaway is there are certain channels that are non-negotiables in terms of of consumers feeling comfortable with your brands, but you can be smart with how you use the content and um, how you um, how you interact with with consumers, specifically through um, WeChat private groups potentially as well. Um, so thank you. What's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Yeah, um, LinkedIn uh, is always great to reach out. Um, you know, you can visit our website at www.waisoial social why social, um, or you can reach out to us at hello at whysocial.com. Okay, great. Thank you so much, Olivia, and um, yeah, I'm thank you. To be in touch. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me in this episode of Clean Beauty Asia, the podcast with me, Ali Rook. I hope you found the content useful with tips and tricks and takeaways that can really help you move your China journey forward. I always like to hear from my listeners, so please join me on LinkedIn, Ali Rook, or Instagram, Clean Beauty Asia, and I'll be very happy to talk to you more. Thanks again for listening. See you next week.